Hey, Fit Coach Secrets listeners. If you are a yoga teacher or an online class instructor, this is going to be a great episode for you. In part one of our two-part interview, we talked to Alex Klein and Alex Chaton, the founders of Ubindi, an inexpensive online class management tool for independent coaches. We talk about how to price your class, how to stand out as an online yoga instructor, marketing techniques for your online class, and the current state of the online yoga industry right now. It's a really interesting episode. Stay tuned. Fitness coaches, get more clients by learning the secret techniques successful trainers and gym owners are using to grow their business in person and online. This is the Fit Coach Secrets Podcast, and I'm your host, Christy Oshita. I've built two fitness businesses to about a half a million dollars each by improving marketing, sales, and operations. Let's grow your sales and your clients. Hey, this is the second season of the show, and I'll get to some interesting news that happened. First, high five to making it through 2020. I mean, we should all get a gold star, right? I mean, finally, we can see the light at the end of this pandemic tunnel. So good job in keeping your energy up because it hasn't been easy for me, and I know it's not easy for you and most others. So my exciting news is that we have changed your name, as you might have seen, to Fit Coach Secrets. I love it because it's shorter and simpler and easier to say, but the main reason we changed it is because we were having major issues with Facebook and it was not allowing us to post links to our blog with other name that we had, Fitness Business Secrets. So um, I've never figured out exactly why, but I'm guessing it's something to do with um, maybe a previous domain owner, maybe it seems spammy because it has fitness in it. Anyhow... As we know, Facebook is super picky and they make the rules. So that's the biggest reason we did the change. Um, But I I hope you like it. Let me know what you think about it. The other big news is I've recently uh, talked about, or last year I spoke about working on my, this product. It's this business in a box. It's, It's white labeled for fitness coaches where you can just buy it and poof, you have an amazing fitness challenge with workshops and a great email sequence and a great cookbook and a great manual. And it's been like, I thought it was going to take, you know, a couple months. It took like a year. And I kept feeling like, oh, I'm almost done. In November, I was saying, oh, I'm like literally done. But life came up and frankly, some stressful personal things came up in the holidays and I wasn't able to finish what felt like just the last mile. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way where it feels like it's so hard, especially as an entrepreneurial person, you probably have your coaching business. And when it feels like we're not successful, there's no one to say, oh, you're doing a good job. Or when we can say we have at least reached the finish line and where is the finish line, right? It feel to me, it fe- I felt like a failure. So the past few months, I felt like, oh, my a quitter? Like, did I just lose interest? I couldn't make it to the end. And it was really hard for me. Um, but the good news is, is that I'm finding more time and I'm going to finish the product. <laughs> so send me your encouragement and maybe you can be one of the first people to try it out. It's so great to connect again. And thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the episode.
Today's guests are Alex Klein and Alex Chaton, a husband and wife entrepreneurial team. Alex says they had very different professional backgrounds, but wanted to find a way to spend every waking moment together. End quote. I thought that was really romantic. So basically, entrepreneurship became their way of life. And in particular, they built startups focused on helping yoga instructors. In 2012, they founded Yoga Trails, an online yoga community of 80,000 plus people. And now their new venture is Ubindi, a platform for yoga instructors and really any online coach to manage class signup. And it's pretty inexpensive. So I'm super excited to have Alex Klein and Alex on today's show. Well, I know that you guys are very much into the yoga industry. And today we're going to talk about what you're seeing as the state of the yoga industry right now, now that we're well into COVID. But before we get to that, if you could just tell me a little bit how you got into the yoga industry and you have a couple of businesses very focused on fitness and even yoga. I'm trying to make it short. Eight, nine years ago, we, one of us was really into yoga and the other one was into entrepreneurship. And we had this idea to create sort of a Yelp for yoga, like a portal for where people could find yoga teachers and classes and studios and stuff like that. And that became uh, a big thing called Yoga Trail, which is still running. It has like 80,000 teachers using it now, like running Yoga Trail. And we just recently uh, created a whole new platform for teachers called Ubindi, which is right now mostly being used by yoga teachers, but it's for any kind of teacher. So we got a lot of fitness instructors. We got some music teachers and I think an arts and crafts person. Yeah. So that's starting to go now. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Well, as I think everyone who has their own business is interested in the great entrepreneurial story, I'm the yoga trails. How did that, what was your business plan for that? Like, how do you make money? It sounds like you guys spent a lot of time on that project. Yeah, the basic business model is that it's this giant directory where people can list themselves and their courses and their things and do a bunch of other stuff. But if they want like premium placement and Newsletter placement. Yeah, different kinds of marketing yeah. service. They can upgrade to like a paid plan and, and get more exposure, basically. Mm, I see. Okay. Well, that's really neat. And how long were have you guys been running that? Since 2012. Yeah, so almost two years. Yeah, it was, it's not doing that well right now because the site is... Not mobile responsive, so that's really hurting us. But the internet has changed. When we started it, there wasn't so much of Google search results populated with all sorts of businesses, and that wasn't there yet. Yeah. So the internet was a little bit different uh, mm. years ago. But yeah. we did the whole we did the whole startup thing. So at the time when we founded it, we were in Thailand. We were living in Thailand, but we applied to various startup accelerators, and we got into five hundred startups in San Francisco. We did that whole thing, and then we raised almost a million dollars from various investors and oh, for a while we had like 10 or more than 10 people on the team but now it's it's gotten pretty small again it's been really really tough with the covid thing i mean it's devastation out there in terms of yoga studios especially yeah I completely understand. It's tough for every type of, generally most type of businesses, depending on what you're selling. So what made you guys shift over? Because I'm sh- it sounds like you launched it in April, but you probably started working on it way before. So what made you shift to this project, Ubindi? 
Well, and initially we wanted to kind of rebuild Yoga Trail, um, but as part of you know doing all the thinking of what is really at the core of the platform and what we we thought were the main benefits that we could offer teachers, kind of Ubindi came out of that as something that would be more like a set of tools for independent teachers and. And then we extrapolated that it doesn't have to be only yoga teachers, but it could work for any kind of teacher to manage their businesses with like a platform that would be just between themselves and their students rather than having the whole directory and discovery and marketing services attached to it. So kind of came from, from that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Yoga Trail is very complex. It basically caters to yoga students, yoga teachers, yoga studios, yoga retreats, yoga brands offering all sorts of different things and it's just so complex that to rebuild it it turned into a, a project that would have taken years and so Ubindi was an attempt to do that and then we figured well let's just focus on teachers because they're the ones who are underserved by existing products and software nobody really pays attention to teachers because they're micro businesses they you know they don't have big budgets uh, and so all the software platforms like MindBody or other yoga studio or gym management software companies, they don't have things for teachers. And so we thought, well, that's that's a big hole in, in the market and that's where we're going to go. And it's yeah. been going really well. Oh, great. So that's really interesting. So jumping over to the whole yoga space, I know that a lot of your customers at Ubindi are yoga teachers. Well, there, you have other types of subjects they teach. What do you see yoga teachers doing? And just to re- remind the audience, it sounds like you started this, um, you launched it in April. So I don't know um, if that was even scary. Like, what, what do you see yoga teachers teaching on this platform? Classes, one-on-one? Well, group classes, online classes, that's what we see them teaching for now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when, we, when we launched the business, it was just when this whole online classes became a necessity for teachers because up until then they were able to go do their normal work and teach in studios or in parks or in community spaces. And suddenly that wasn't possible anymore. So we freaked out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we were, we were going to, we were launching Ubindi in March and then COVID hit and everything was shut down. And then we scrambled to build uh, support for online classes mm really quickly but it turned out really well so then we launched a month later and it was kind of a good time for us this sounds horrible like we don't like people getting sick and we don't like (laughs) studios and schools and things shutting down but it meant that teachers were looking for new solutions and new software or new tools and so for us that was nice because you know it's hard to get people to switch their system or what they're using. They got clients somewhere and they don't want to move them over and stuff. So COVID-19 for us meant that there were a lot of teachers looking for new stuff, new, new solutions. And so that's been kind of good for us. Hmm. Almost ashamed to say it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, our story starting the business kind of reflects what the yoga, the yoga teachers, the fitness teachers out there have been doing. I mean, they've been going online. So it's like the opportunity for them is also an opportunity for us, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm wondering. So yoga teachers are forced to go online. Most of them are teaching these classes. How how do you see them making enough money? Because that's, that. I mean, maybe yoga te- teaching often has never been enough for a lot of 
people in certain countries, but online seems even harder because now they have to do marketing and a lot of that. So how do you see, what are you seeing? Are you seeing a lot of yoga teachers making enough money online? Well, we're seeing all sorts of stuff and this is maybe going to be a long rant on my part. Before (laughs) this situation, before 2020, yoga teachers had it already pretty tough. There were a lot of yoga studios out there. It was huge competition. And so everyone was trying to drive down the price of a class. 80% of all the revenue in the States, but also in Europe and other places uh, that comes in when people take a class goes to the studio. They have huge overhead rent and other things. And they were, yoga teachers almost were teaching for free. A lot of them actually were teaching for free to get their foot in the door kind of stuff. And the teachers were kind of being exploited. I mean, it was really tough to make a living as a yoga teacher doing the studio model where you're running around all over town as a freelancer or independent contractor teaching like 10 classes a week. That was tough. But there were some uh, teachers that were able to earn a living. Now, we think this is actually the time for teachers. Studios are really struggling. I mean, if they're even allowed to be open, you know, there's fear. There are all these distancing regulations where they can't pack the room, you know, six feet between people and all that stuff. So that I, I don't see how a yoga studio, a typical yoga studio is going to make it. On Yoga Trail, we see that half of them are shut down permanently hmm. in the world. Like it's over for studios. However, for teachers, this is a great opportunity because all the people who were maybe not as comfortable with online technology, Zoom, stuff like that, you know, you have a lot of senior citizens and and people that were just not really into the online thing. Well, that's changed now. They're all online. They all have Zoom on their computers or their tablets or whatever. And in fact, they're liking the online classes. They like the convenience. It's not just the teachers that are free now to teach from their home. But the students, you know, they don't have to travel across town and pack themselves into a class. There are a lot of students before who rarely went to class because there's a lot of, I don't know, body image issues. People are kind of feel shy about going to a yoga class and stuff. And that's all easily overcome with online teaching and online classes. And so teachers can now do their own thing. Also, the the online classes... I think much as it can seem daunting at this point for yoga teachers who are just starting to teach online, uh, it also gives them a huge opportunity because instead of reaching people that are only in their neighborhood or in their city, they can really reach students anywhere in the world in that way. So, you know, when you take an online class, you can be anywhere. There are a lot of moving parts and elements here. You're right. The teachers now, if they want to earn a living, have to do a bit of business, you know, marketing and and other things, organizational stuff, admin, which in the yoga space, especially that's kind of distasteful for a lot of teachers. They, they don't like asking people for money. They don't like marketing in general. They just want to teach, but that's also true from what we can see in, in, in other spaces. Gym teachers often are similar. So there's a little bit of entrepreneurship required now that's true but it's really not that daunting and it's also true that classes tend to be cheaper if you're doing it on zoom or or something like people might be willing to pay five bucks or something but on the other hand the teacher gets to keep all of that revenue okay so if you teach a class to 10 people who pay five bucks well that's fifty dollars that's already more than the average 
hourly rate that a yoga studio was paying teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, 10 people, you know, that's sort of on the low end. You can cram 30 people into a Zoom room quite easily. That's one thing. And the other thing is that teachers, because of the studios, the studios have to fill the room as much as they can. So the kind of yoga that was being taught was like, you know, vanilla, standard lowest common denominator kind of yoga that appeals to the most kind of people in the town. But teachers often have their own style or their own ideas for how they want to, and they're free now to do that. In fact, that is how they can be successful because they can differentiate themselves and, you know, find what's called a niche where they can, you know, if some yoga teacher wants to teach heavy metal yoga with dogs or something at midnight, that's not going to happen in a yoga studio, but it's very easy to find people who are searching for just that on YouTube, for example, and who won't find anything except for you, the, the teacher who's advertising that. And so, yeah, it's, it's, there are lots and lots of opportunities now for teachers. And we think it's, it's going to be the golden time for independent uh, teachers who want to share their knowledge and their passion. Mm-hmm. Great. So it sounds like you see this opportunity and as Teachers, yoga teachers especially, are finding their way with becoming more business savvy. Do you see mainly a group class business model or are you seeing other types of business models? For example, more in the one-on-one personal training space where I've interviewed a lot of trainers, they're finding a lot of success in one-on-one programs probably focused on some type of goal like weight loss. So I was just curious what you're seeing as it sounds like classes, but are you seeing any other segments of models of teaching that seem to be working for yoga teachers? Yeah, absolutely. So everyone likes privates, right? Personal clients who are a bit more affluent will pay you 80 or $100 an hour. That's good stuff. And of course, in, in the yoga space, teachers are really into that. And it's happening quite a bit. I think the, the classes that are in small groups are very popular at the moment because it gives people a sense of community that maybe, you know, when you're isolated at home, you're, you really feel like you want to see other people. You want to see the people that were in the class with you. And the, the yoga class can kind of give you that little group that you used to see in real life before. And that, that's the continuity that can be offered, I think, by the group classes, even if they're on Zoom. It's not the same thing because you can't hug your friends <laughs> when mm-hmm. you say hello. But it's, it, I think it's something that people enjoy as well. And that's why they keep they keep doing the online classes with their teachers. Yeah. And then there's the other component. When, when things are online, that means it's video chat. That means it can be recorded and it can be a class that exists forever, right? So a lot of, a lot of teachers are recording their classes to make them available to people who missed the live class, but they're realizing that they can offer recorded content also for small amounts of money or, you know, it can be part of a membership or what, whatever they got going on. And that also has huge potential in terms of the bottom line of a, of a teacher. And what's really nice about it is they don't even have to show up. I mean, they showed up once to record the thing and make it nice, but then it's, you know, they can build up a store of, of videos and content that can help them make more money, of course, or, but also can help them reach more people. So they can take these videos, put them on YouTube, YouTube is the largest search engine. It's bigger than Google, although it's owned by Google. So when somebody's looking for some kind of uh, fitness activity or, or yoga style or something, it's pretty easy to get people finding your videos 
which then can lead them to become your clients, right? They sign up for a live class or they just join your mailing list and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I guess that actually brings me to another question is, so the, I think the classic marketing technique is to put it on YouTube and be found. Do you kind of sense, and it's probably hard to predict, but is there also just a lot more competition besides a lot more opportunity? I would imagine there's a lot of, over time, there'll just be a lot more free video classes. And now they're kind of competing on YouTube to get people to click on their video. Do you, what do you think about that? For sure. But this is why this unique niching down thing works for people because there is huge amounts of competition, right? You, if you just look for yoga in YouTube, well, you're going to find the channel that has like one and a half million subscribers and you have no chance to you know, be found first. And, but if you, if you really find your own personal voice and your own personal style, not just for yoga, but for anything really, despite all the competition, it, it just means that there, there will be niches that are not very competitive and where people can then find you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe it is in a way a little bit counterintuitive because people used to think before that if you offer some very popular style of yoga like vinyasa flow and put it on YouTube and that's what most people are looking for and that's why you'll be able to attract new viewers for example now it's really the opposite so you have to find something that really will resonate perhaps with a smaller group of people but that you're really able to teach in a very good way and that you're very passionate about and that's the people that will find you are the people that are looking for that special thing that you've decided to offer Mm -hmm. like for example you mentioned weight loss so you know everybody almost everybody me included wants to lose weight and you know they're going to look for weight loss and if you have some kind of program that's just about weight loss, well, it's going to be tough. Um, there's going to be probably 100,000 other instructors or fitness gurus out there who are marketing that. But some people are looking for weight loss by, I don't know, doing super crazy intense interval training without modifying their diet or some weird way of losing weight and stuff. And if that's your expertise, that's the way then to advertise and, and, and go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is, is that something like you've seen from your customers at Yoga Trail? Where have, do you have any specific case studies of, uh, of clients, yoga instructors you've seen who've kind of stood out by being a certain niche within the yoga space? Yeah, there's like, for example... Naked yoga. That's, <laughs> That's very specific. Really well. <laughs> but people naked are doing yoga. very well teaching naked yoga <laughs> on Zoom. <laughs> that sounds very freeing. How about also, what are you seeing that people are charging? Because, I mean, there's, if you're in the US, you probably have a certain price about what you would charge because you think about the studio, then you notch it down, but then you might have customers all over where that might be expensive or even vice versa. I'm wondering, since you have a global market of you know instructors all over, what are you seeing of what pe- yoga teachers are charging one-on-one? <coughs> I mean, for their group classes, maybe small group and, and maybe one-on-ones. We're seeing extremely low prices, unsustainably low. A lot of teachers have this mindset that it's not, as high quality as a, you know, in-person interaction and stuff. And, and that's kind of true. But on the other hand, a lot of them are just still figuring it out. So, you know, there are people out there who are teaching yoga classes for like $2 for an hour. Hmm. And they have 
three or four people showing up. And obviously that's not going to be sustainable for yeah. them, but they're starting to figure it out. And the students right now, most of these students have had pre-existing relationships with the teachers. You know, they really like their teacher. They want to take classes with that teacher and not any other teacher. And so we see a lot of teachers making terrible mistakes with their pricing uh, when it comes to teaching online. We also see a lot of donation-based pricing. So we hmm. added that to Ubindi because it's very popular. So people pay what they want. And that ends up being more lucrative for the teacher because the students are actually happy to pay you know, decent amounts of money to help their teacher get through this time. And just in general, you know, they feel pretty crappy giving a teacher a dollar. And, it, you know, it's just... So in yoga, we know that people who do yoga tend to be more middle class and affluent. The teachers are all starving, but the, the students tend to do pretty well on average. And yeah, it's this. it's always been this problem where yoga teachers in particular are shy about being compensated for what they do, mm. you know, and, and just saying, okay, well, my time is worth this and I have to charge this much mm. for me to be able to keep going and keep offering yoga and stuff like that. That's always been a struggle for yoga teachers in particular. Gym, like regular fitness people are much better at that kind of yeah. mindset, I guess. Mm. And so what would you recommend if, let's say we have some yoga teachers listening right now, do you have any recommendations on what to charge? They might know where their customers are coming from, but because like you mentioned, they're just afraid to charge people. Well, I think if they're not sure and if they're shy about asking people for money, doing a donation-based class is good because then it kind of gives them an idea of how much their students are willing to pay for something. Yeah, it's sort, of, it's sort of like a, an election that you're living through today. It, it sort of lets people indicate to the teacher roughly what they think is fair. And then they can take that and then maybe change the future classes to be fixed price around the average of what people are right. willing to donate or maybe a little bit higher. Obviously, if you start having lots and lots of people in your classes, you should be raising the price or offering more classes or figuring out how, how, how to do this. We're so Alex and I are entrepreneurs and our whole mindset is that doing your own thing, offering people something of value and getting paid for it and maybe even making good money with that or a lot of money with that. That's it's sort of our goal in life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have any moral apprehension about earning money or anything like that and, and right. other and, people and yoga teachers offer a great service i mean they they're trained and they they're passionate and so i think it's it's a bit heartbreaking that they're very shy to ask people to pay them as well for their services so i think that's something i mean it's always been a problem in the yoga industry i think but people mm. yeah just like i think to start to with letting <laughs> letting people donate something for the class probably will make the yoga teacher see, oh, actually people are willing to pay a lot more than what I would have asked them. Right. And that's mm -hmm. an, always an interesting starting point. Okay. So it sounds like one, if you're, if you're a yoga teacher listening and you're sort of unsure where to start, instead of making it low, maybe um, ask for a donation, see what the prices mm -hmm. are, work yeah. from there. And just more on a data basis from your overview, you mentioned $5. Is $5 the low end that you're seeing? And then some teachers even charging 
you know, 15 or $20 for an online class, like just more, more on a data side, what are you seeing? $5 is on the low side, but we've seen a lot of teachers doing free classes, which, you know, I mean, a lot of people, even after seven, eight months of COVID, they're in this mindset that this is going to pass, that everything will go back to the way it was before. Hmm. And so they're just kind of writing it out a little bit depressed and they're offering free classes to their students. So that's the lowest end that see. we see a lot. And then there are a lot of teachers who do like $3 classes, $5 classes, but there are teachers who do 15 or even 20. I think yeah. something around between five and $8 Maybe it's more the average. I'm, I know you mentioned something really important is the sense of community, which I think that's this hidden value for a class. Do any of them kind of bring up the price, say it's a small group class after there is the sense of community? Because once you have 12 people in a class, it's a little hard to have a little mm -hmm. chat after. But if you have four or five, do, do you see anything like that where they purposely make it a small group but charge more? Well, that, that's sort of a private lesson. So there are a lot of people doing one-on-one, -on -one, but there are a lot of people also doing one-on-two or one-on-four okay. you know, kind of uh, small group classes that are pretty expensive per person compared to a real big group class. Hmm. Um, but mm -hmm. essentially, a, a person in the Western world needs to earn roughly, I'm guessing, $40, depends on where you live and stuff, but for an hour of teaching, because that hour of teaching also involves some other time and effort and maybe expenses uh, around that just to be able to make it. And of course, you know, if you're a fitness instructor or yoga teacher, you can't really teach eight hours a day. You, you'd have to eat like 10,000 calories and be like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something <laughs> like that. So for privates or semi-privates, teachers generally earn around $100 in the United States. And it's similar in Europe. And for group classes, if they are doing things well and they're encouraging their students to sign up for class and they're getting some new clients, they make about the same. That's, that's what we consider kind of a successful teacher who can pay the rent and buy food and maybe support a family of, of some kids. Sounds like you're saying if they were teaching a small group class with two to four people, they should try to get to a point of earning in total $100 for that teaching hour at the low for $40 being the minimum. But then if you can get either increase your prices or increase the number in the small group to what it is thing for group classes, whether you have you know, 10 people paying $10 or something, is that about what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's what is required to be able to teach something almost full time and earn a living and not have to get another job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so, so that's the pressure on, on the market and everyone's trying to be as cheap as possible so that they are the ones who get the students. But at the end of the day, we all have to eat. And so that's sort of a reasonable uh, pricing mm -hmm. point that we see. But we know teachers who, you know, will charge you $500 now. We know teachers who teach celebrities who make several thousand dollars for a session. Uh, but that's, of course, extremely rare. It's mm -hmm. not the typical teacher. Getting to that point, I would imagine getting enough customers to be able to maintain your price level and not you start to be scared and then see you don't have as many interests, you lower your price. What Do you have any case, case studies or people teachers you've seen who've done really well on marketing? Do you have any thoughts on what's working marketing-wise outside of the YouTube uh, strategy like Instagram or 
Facebook. Yes, but there's two there are two sides to marketing. And the more important side that is often neglected by teachers is the internal marketing, the getting students to come to class where your competition is, you know, them Netflix. watching out Netflix <laughs> or, you know, other stuff. And that's something that a lot of teachers don't focus on so much. They all want new, you know, signups on their email list and they all want to find new clients. But most but, of the pe- yeah, people actually- you've seen in class are people you've seen before. It's all about building sort of a relationship and a loyalty and then inspiring and encouraging your students to keep coming to class and another level you know in the same way that it happened when you were taking a yoga class in the real world people would recommend a teacher to a friend these students that will regularly come to class and will be the faces that the teacher sees there are actually great advocates for that teacher because if the teacher says well if you like my classes let your friends know, then, you know, these students are very likely to actually, they will let their friends know. And then it's yeah, kind of referrals. even without any way. incentive. But, but what a teacher can easily do, and, and a lot of them are doing, is if you tell a student, hey, if you bring a friend, they'll get a free class with me. Or maybe even if you bring a friend, they'll get a free class and you'll get a free class for bringing me a new student. And, you know, that kind of referral program can be very powerful. Maybe more effective than going outside and, and putting up content on YouTube or Instagram. I think ultimately it's the way most people discover something that ends up being great. It's on the recommendation of a friend. That's mm-hmm. true for yoga classes or for movies or for restaurants or for yeah. what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like referrals of back to that age old strategy, but having some type of clear incentive for your current students to invite their friends to come to class. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to reach out to me, email me at christy at fitcoachsecrets.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y at fitcoachsecrets.com or on Facebook. Or if you're interested in private coaching, I am currently accepting one student. So make sure to shout out to me and I'll definitely hook you up. Finally, if you'd like to be on the show, definitely reach out to me because maybe we can set something up. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you in the next episode.